Welcome to Startup Confidential, what industry insiders will never tell you that you need to know if you're building a consumer brand. With your host, best-selling author of Ramping Your Brand, Dr. James Richardson. Let's do this. Welcome, everybody. Got a special guest this month, Emmanuel Probst. All of all the highest ROI examples that I know of come from the early stage world last 10 to 15 years. I mean, like Dr. Squatch was getting, you know, 12x or more return <laughs> from a three-minute story. It wakes me want to ask you, Emmanuel, do you think that the signal overload is caused a necessity to take creative storytelling to another level? Is that actually even the answer? Do, do marketers have to become better storytellers, I guess is my It's a very big part of the answer, but you just mentioned Dr. Squash here again. The very last thing we as consumers needed was yet another brand of soap. <laughs> However, what Dr. Squash bringing to the table, it's a different tone. It's a different relationship right. with consumers. It's appealing to an audience that is often o- almost always overlooked in, in that segment. That is oh, like, totally, yeah. right? Uh, call it males 18 to 34 for sake of argument. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that irreverent communication, that playful communication, and that purpose behind the product is what drives these consumers, these people, to choose Dr. Squash over the 150 plus SKUs that are available at any Target store in this personal beauty category. So that's yet one more demonstration of a much, much smaller team, a much smaller brand. Yeah. Than anyone at Unilever and Procter and Gamble that dents the market and is well, isn't isn't the problem with American marketers in in the grocery stores that they're always imagining a woman as the buyer, and that becomes the subject yeah. that becomes the default audience of every single leading brand. That's what I noticed working in the food industry is they were so concerned about making sure that the sales happened that they did the marketing strategy to make sure that that person buying was activated versus the person consuming. If a problem with most American marketers <laughs> is and, until now there wasn't enough diversity of thinking. And my point is in that boardroom, not even in that boardroom, in that brainstorming session, Right. when we build messaging and communication and value proposition for the brand, we don't need, we certainly don't want just a bunch of 15 plus years so-called senior executives. (laughs) We, (laughs) We need a diversity of talents. We need People 22 years old who graduated three months ago and spent their days on social media. We need people from diverse ethnic, cultural, and educational background. We need people with diverse political orientations. And we need people with diverse uh, genders and gender orientations. And uh, it is this diversity and this contribution from uh, those diverse people to the value proposition that is going to help us build brands and products that succeed in the long run. And yeah, at, at, at the very least, that diversity allows you to contemplate alternative audiences that haven't been thought about in the building. 100%. You know, I, now, I want to say as a related thing that I encounter, I think sometimes the people who own the business and essentially seeded it saw an opportunity um, it could have even be through their own teenage kids. 
and they jumped on it and they have this business, but they're not actually the consumer. Like the owners are not the consumer. <laughs> they have the same problem you're talking well, you know, about listening to your kids, and, and you're right, um, <laughs> your, your, your kids are biased uh, because they live in a marketing type of household. And I see <laughs> my kids. So, so little anecdote, James, so my kids are 16 and 14, and they would pick up a brand and say, word for word, they will say, yeah, that's a brand that feels innovative and helpful. Oh, yeah, this is a brand for people like me, but nobody speaks like this. I know. You know when normal people go to the store, they don't look at a toothpaste and think, yeah, that toothpaste is going to be innovative and helpful for me and my family. And in fact, and I can say this now because it was 15 years ago, but MTV is part of the reason why MTV eventually went downhill is mm. I remember and that's yeah about 16 years ago MTV will do some audience research among the kids of people working at MTV well number one those kids are overexposed to MTV MTV type of content and certainly they are biased to the brand and number two as a mid-level research executive at MTV how are you going to argue with the feedback that you received from the 12 years old daughter or son of your CMO, right? Violates all, this violates all the first question on every survey. Do you work for a blank company? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you may choose to answer this question truthfully or not. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's sad that they did that. My God. That's just so yeah. lazy. That's just so incredibly lazy. Well, and in all fairness to MTV, obviously. <laughs> oh, don't be fair. <laughs> <laughs> you know, listen, it, it was also, uh, it's by all means, uh, linear TV or uh, anything that's related to TV these days is challenging to say the least. Uh, <laughs> Anderson Cooper. Gathers. Are you are you trying to suggest, Emmanuel, that the MTV beach house party thing, it's just not it's not pumping like the late nineties. That's how to put it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, I think that was their peak. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, but it also shows how a brand can be generational as such. You know, we spoke about that MTV generation a few years ago oh. and the bad news is or the challenge that comes with this is how do you appeal to the next generation? So sometimes it works in your favor. That's how Abercrombie and Fitch kind of reinvented itself. Right. And sometimes it works against you. That's how MTV doesn't mean much to anyone these days besides a nostalgia type of T-shirt that young people buy at Urban Outfitters to look nostalgic and retro how sad yeah, i don't i don't think my children have seen anything but satirical clips of mtv on youtube yeah well, <laughs> <laughs> which by the way uh, what you just said is <laughs> ironic in a cynical way you just said i don't think my kids have seen anything from mtv on youtube well that sums it all up <laughs> if it's not if it's not there then it it literally it doesn't exist in the Milky Way galaxy. Yeah. It's just really funny what you said. I will steal this and quote it. Hey, listeners. Exponential growth involves more than a killer product, great fundraising, and a great team. 
you need superb analytics to ride the ramp. Dr. Richardson's latest online course is now available, Effective Consumer Marketing for Early Stage Founders. You can find course pricing and details at premiumgrowthsolutions.com courses. And now back to the episode. Are there human capital, like talent issues in American marketing? Has there been a shift in who, you know, is the industry better prepared? Does it have better talent floating around to adapt the way you talk about in your book or no? Or what's your take? The talents are there. It's okay. about the willingness to harness those talents. And mm-hmm. I wrote this book to empower people to step in, to lean in, to right. make a difference. And I don't care if you've been in the industry 20 years and you're a C-level executive, or if you've been out of school for six months or for six weeks, you can make a difference. You can make a positive contribution. And I would argue, in fact, that if you've been out of school six months, you actually have a better shot at understanding culture Mm -hmm. and guiding this conversation. And that's what I show in this book for the more junior, I mean, the expression is a little bit condescending, but for people who are newer to the industry, how you can step in, how you can impress your boss, how you can impress your associates, how you can impress your clients and make your mark. As... Or, yeah, or have more success at your startup. Yeah. Um, I've been thinking about Mike Cesario as you've been talking, because he read a bunch of interviews, you know, with him talking about why he left the big agencies and <laughs> a couple of the campaigns that for Liquid Death had literally been things that were shot down. Right. While he was being a, you know, the paid creative director for some other brand. And I think it, <laughs> which I find just hilarious. That is also an important part of the book to say yeah. the people who believe they know, they don't necessarily know any better. Meaning, so you spoke about a Liquid Death founder and a, a campaigns he created that have been shut down by agencies. There are many examples like this. Star Wars was not exactly a slam dunk. He shopped it around with for, for several years. Yeah. Another famous example is Harry Potter. Yeah. She shopped, so here's the story. She shopped Harry Potter to, I think, 13 or 14 publishers. All of them shut it down. And Bloomsbury Publishing, the lead editor, ended up telling her, okay, listen, I'm going to publish because my 14-year-old daughter keeps bugging me about your book. And she says it's good. However, number one, it's way too long for a children's book. <laughs> that's that's what he told her. And he told her, and also make your, make sure you have a real job because you'll never make a dime from right. that book, right? And so this happens all the time, whether it is in advertising, whether it is in publishing, in the arts, and so on and so forth. And the opposite is true when Governor Cuomo published his book after COVID to lecture everyone on what to do and how to manage a crisis. His publisher likely believed that it would be a worldwide phenomenon, you know, the next great management book, just like we had Good to Great, just like we had Tom Peters, that type of books. And so Governor Cuomo at the time, and that was well before all his trouble with with women, yeah, received, I believe, a four or five million dollar advance for that book. (laughs) (laughs) 
which indicates that the publisher was hoping to sell hundreds of thousands of copies. Oh, yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, it never took off. They sold 40 or 50,000 copies over the first few weeks. I mean, there is literally a zero missing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, like this book would have been a success at four or 500,000 copies in the first few months. Right. So again, all those anecdotes, I meant them to empower our listeners today and to say, do what you think is right, step in, chart your idea, and stand by your ideas, and eventually you will win and people will listen. Awesome. Enjoy the rest of your, your week and month and year. And likewise. And thank you so much to you and to our listeners today. Really appreciate the opportunity of connecting with you. Thanks for listening. Remember, Dr. Richardson has loads of resources for founders at premiumgrowthsolutions.com. And when you're on his site, don't forget to take his founder's quiz and see if you're ready to ride the skate ramp of exponential growth.